God, teach us. Teach us your ways. I think of the disciples in Luke, it says the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray or teach us to pray. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, teach us to pray today. We ask, Lord, to know you. And though you are unseen, Lord, teach us how to see you, how to know you, how to talk to you. I pray for spiritual vitality in every household represented here. I pray for prayer that matters and is not forced or elaborate. I pray, God, that we would be yours. Please make this church a church filled with people who are faithful disciples. Amen. Amen. So uh, we are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is I've called the good life. This, this idea that Jesus comes and when Jesus calls people to himself, he teaches them what would it look like if this thing was all the way God wanted it to be. It's very different than the way we think you get to a good life. But the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, uh, just has this incredible beginning, which is basically how God wants to bless all the people you think probably can't be blessed, probably the people who are on the fringe of possibility of being blessed, and then how God takes people like you and me and writes his law on our hearts. And what God gives us is not a list of rules we are to obey, but his ways. How does heaven work? And what is he trying to do in the world to form that here? And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. He starts with this idea. You've got to change to come into the kingdom, but you are so welcome in the kingdom. And then he talks about righteousness, which is essentially how... How does somebody live a deeply right life? How do you live the good life? The life that is right in every direction towards your neighbors, towards your family, towards your soul, and towards God. This deeply right life. All right. Now today, we're going to switch from Matthew 5 to Matthew 6. And we're going to go over um, a pretty long portion here. So first, just listen to Jesus teach. Uh, and then I'll uh, elaborate. I'll improve on what he said. Okay. <clears throat> That was the day we had lightning. <laughs> be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Uh, truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you're giving maybe in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, uh, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. Pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Exactly what we were training to do here yesterday. Um, <clears throat> for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. All right, so for now, I'm going to take uh, just the, the Lord's Prayer section out of that. We're going to be talking about that quite a bit in Lent as we go. We're going to use it as a way to develop our, our prayer game. But uh, for now, I just want to show you this pattern that's found uh, in this beginning to Matthew 6. As Jesus turns from the idea, like, okay, here's who can get in, the Beatitudes, Here's what it looks like when God writes on their hearts. Then he starts talking about alternative or counterfeit religion. What does it look like when people choose something besides compliance with a good heavenly father to represent their religious tendencies? And what it basically looks like is mask making. Okay, This word hypocrites in here comes from the theater. It's from the idea like those Greek masks that you see sometimes. Uh, with, uh, you know, drama and comedy, right? This, this idea of having a mask on as an alternative. Rather than, rather than say, God, right on my heart, God, I want to be compliant with you. God, I want to be easy to lead. God, shape me as a human being. Shape my soul. Change me wherever I need to change. Uh, Lord, I'm part of the problem, but, but, but fix me. I have uh, faith in you. I, I have confidence in you. Yeah, one starts putting on a mask, and he talks here about these masks. So let's just go over the pattern first, then we'll talk a little bit more about what Jesus might want to get out of this whole uh, teaching here. Uh, the first section is sort of general, right? It's um, your acts of righteousness, like anything that might go to signal to other people that you're a righteous woman or righteous man. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen. That's the pattern we're going to see this to be, in order to. It's about your motivation. Why are you doing this thing? You know, uh, maybe somebody uh, has once in their life done something religious so that other people would think something of them, right? Um, if you've not done that, you haven't been around the church much because it's, it's tempting to do that. You want, you want, do you ever, do you ever go to put, like, uh, put a tip in the tip jar, Right? And then, but you want to make sure that the waitress sees that you're putting a tip in the t tip jar, right? Right? And that's what he's talking about. What? Don't do things to be seen. Don't practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen. And then each one of these things has this like other side to it, because if you do that, if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Ultimately, today, what I want to talk about is what is our reward? for doing things the way Jesus is trying to teach us. What's the alternative here? All right, so that, that's just a categorical overview. Don't do your righteousness in front of others so you can be seen by them. That will yield you no reward uh, from your Father. Let's get into the next one here. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. Now, I did some research on this. I did some reading about this. I never found any situation where somebody actually announced their giving with trumpets. I just, I don't know. This is, I think this is Jesus being funny. 
okay? Um, this is Jesus saying, there's no need to write a giant check when you give to charity. There's no need to have uh, somebody, like, announce it, you know, when you give, right? Um, that's not part of the plan. And he pictures people. Uh, did this ever happen? I don't know. It would be audacious, right? And now I give to charity. Everybody looks in the streets, in the synagogue, right? Who is that? You know, Jesus is the one who saw the widow give her two mites and say, nobody's been more generous. I love that about the Lord. That's really the point of this. The Lord sees everything. The Lord doesn't need a trumpet to draw his attention to you. He, you never have to be afraid, like, wow, I finally did something right, and I don't even know if God noticed it. That's not the way it goes. Um, these people, these hypocrites, do in the synagogues and the street to be honored. I tell you, they've received the reward in full. And so here's a little bit more of the teaching. The teaching is there's some reward that comes with fame or reputation or being thought of as the kind of person who's very, very generous, right? Okay, you've received your reward in full. It's your reputation. It is having been seen, having been heard, the trumpet was heard. Oh my gosh, wow, what a generous person. And then what Jesus starts to see, and one of the things I want to uh, say about this today is, Jesus is teaching us about the nature of the spiritual life. He's teaching us not just like a rule, like there's a rule against hypocrisy. He's saying something about God, that he is actual, that he pays attention to you, that he hears your prayers, that he is unseen, but that he sees. Okay, so this is Jesus teaching you about the reality of God. Okay, he's got some expertise in the matter, right? When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand uh, know what your right hand is doing. Just a little expression. We've got that in our uh, vernacular now, right? So that your giving may be in secret, okay? So from now on, we're going to take the generosity box in the back and we're going to hide it. You just have to find it somewhere. <laughs> but the idea is no big deal about it. Just be generous. Being generous is a big, big part of being faithful to God. Uh, God is a generous God, and he would teach his children to be generous to him. He's the one who, who shines uh, the sun on the just and the unjust alike. He, he brings rain to everybody's garden, Jesus says in chapter 5, right? In other words, God is good in every direction. You be good to You learn to use your money to be like your father in heaven. Be called the children of God by being generous. But don't do it to be honored. Do it because that's who God is. That's what he's training you to be. And by the way, he sees. So the pattern goes like this. To be seen, don't be to be seen. There is a God who is not seen, which I think is the biggest problem I have in my life, is that my God is invisible, right? I have, that's a huge problem for me. It's a huge problem for all of us. We're essentially materialists. We essentially believe in what we can touch. Right? Some of you are very spiritual people. can see right through you. That's fantastic. But most of us are sort of like, I believe in this. I believe in trumpets. I believe in pats on the back. I believe in somebody saying, Mark, that was good that you did that. I love that stuff. Jesus is saying, God is unseen, but he sees. By the way, when we talk about our Father in heaven, and, and Dallas Willard, who's helping us with this series, is so good on this. He's saying, he's not talking about a God who lives like two planets away. 
He's talking about God who is all around, who's in the atmosphere, who's, who's right around you. So it's actually kind of the exact opposite of the way most of us think of, like, our Father who art in heaven. We're, we're thinking our Father who lives, like, several different, you know, dimensions away from us. And Dallas says, no, he's saying our Father who's all around us, our Father who is in charge of this place, in him we live and move and have our being. Our Father who's all around us is noticing us. You do not have to have a trumpet to be noticed. You can give in secret. Recently, uh, we've told you we had an opportunity this fall, sort of a last-minute opportunity to join with other churches and uh, you know, give an amount of money as a church, join with these other churches, and then uh, through a, a certain ministry that buys back medical debt from people, um, we cancel out like $2.2 million, I believe, is the figure. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the figure. So several thousand dollars that we gave did that. And, um, you know, somebody challenged me, actually not me, but just I just saw somebody challenging another church that was talking about canceling $2.2 million of medical debt. Well, honestly, we didn't do that much of that. Because of the way medical debt works, because there's ministries that sort of negotiate down medical debt, a certain small amount of money can go to um, cancel large amounts of debt. Huge relief to the people, right, who had the medical debt. But the challenge was online, like, uh, churches are blowing their trumpets about this. And I was thinking about that. You know, I, I thought about, like, how, you know, w was I clear about these intermediate Mediator, the people in the middle, who, uh, who, who uh, do this ministry, who make it possible for a church like us to offer, you know, a modest amount of money for a group, you know, of, of hundreds of people, right? Modest amount of money, and it goes to do an incredible thing. Was I clear about that? Or did I kind of like it? In fact, one church said this. One church said that they were, they, they, the money they gave came from their marketing budget. They just figured this gives us a better reputation than anything else. And so I'm not, I'm not busting on that church. I, I, I'm not busting on us. I just think, wow, this is kind of saying don't do that. <laughs> don't get this other thing. Or what it's really saying is when you get that, when you get the newspaper article about that, that's your reward. There it is. You got it. Maybe that's still a good purchase. I don't know. Maybe you think like, well, a couple thousand dollars we get in the newspaper. People think, man, churches aren't so bad after all, right? Maybe you like that reward. But Jesus is saying spiritually there's something more valuable than even that. And so he goes on then from giving to, to uh, people who have need um, to praying, okay? When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Same idea. Don't be like the mass people. Okay, and he's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about the professional religious people of his day, the people who were experts at scripture, experts at, at um, um, you know, finding the line, keeping the line, keeping back from the line so that they are in compliance with God. And he's saying, no, there's something wrong at the heart level. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand praying in the synagogues, on the streets, to be seen by others. It's just a weird thing that comes with trying to do the right thing. You want to be known as somebody who does the right thing. It's just an odd thing that's in our heart. 
right there. And, and so he said that they've received their reward in full. I mean, it's so easy to understand what Jesus is saying. He's got, he's got this kind of poking, you know, let the air out of the airbags kind of thing there, right? They, okay, they, they heard you pray, beautiful prayer, right? My father-in-law, now he didn't have one bit of this kind of hypocrisy in him, but he would always pray. He was this simple Maryland country boy, and he was taught to pray eloquent prayers like King James prayers. That all, all kinds of tributes to God in the prayer. And I always, when he came over to uh, our table for dinner, I would always say, Fred, would you pray? Because I just wanted to hear. It was like listening to a poem about God or something like that. You know, these people, they, they liked, they, they would have liked if I thought that about them. They would like to be seen. They would like, and Jesus offers a whole different way. Again, the essence of what Jesus is offering is the reality of a father who's close. The, the substitute that he's making, the, the, the transition is, instead of like being known for being a really great prayer, which by the way, there's something that happens when they stripe, uh, put a microphone on you, some spotlights on you. I, I, there's, like, I'd like you to think, boy, this guy can preach, or boy, he knows how to pray at the end of the service. You know, there's, there's a weird alternative reward offered to us. You have your version of it. I have my version of it. Jesus says, oh, but the real thing, the genuine thing at the center is a father who sees what's done in secret and will reward you. So just go into your room, close the door. Again, this is not a law. You don't have to close your door in order for your prayer to be right in the new law of Jesus. It's not like that. It just, maybe unbeknownst to other people, have a prayer life. Maybe, maybe nobody knows that you had your quiet time. Maybe the second you're done your quiet time, you don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> Here's what the Lord showed me today as I sought him early in the morning. Like, just, there is a reward for you that is actual. It is God knowing you. God, combining with you, teaming with you uh, in prayer. And I think that's, that's just a lesson that we need to learn. Everybody's religious needs to learn that. This was the week we, we had the national prayer breakfast this week. And I just wonder how God enjoyed the national prayer breakfast. You know, just wondering. I mean, I'm just wondering, right? I, there's people that went to this national, look, I'm positive there are people there that went to seek God, to pray. Now, I'm, I'm positive about the national part, I'm positive about the breakfast part. You know, I, it's the prayer part, did this actually happen? Did everybody who was there get their reward out of being seen at the national prayer breakfast? And honestly, I'm sure there are people who are just pleading with God. For our country. But what would it be like if Jesus ran the National Prayer Breakfast? You know, um, one of the people that spoke there was uh, the author Arthur Brooks. And he was quoting the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he was talking to these leaders about not considering each other uh, or competing sides or parties uh, as enemies, right? It was pretty good. What he was saying there it was uh, right from the words of Jesus. He was talking to these people about loving their enemies. He was saying, you know, your opponents are not stupid or evil. 
right? He, he's telling the story of saying that to other politicians, and he said, there wasn't much applause when I said that, right? The teaching of Jesus stands out as different than what comes naturally to us and what we're drawn to. So what if the National Prayer Breakfast wasn't televised at all? What if the leaders of our nation just got together to pray, and they went into a room, and they closed the door, and they had some breakfast, and then they prayed the Sermon on the Mount, something like this, Father, make us a merciful, peacemaking nation that hungers and thirsts for your righteousness. Give and make us creative leaders who bring your kingdom goodness into this world right when everybody thinks nothing could get better and steadily help us rely on you instead of our own uh, power. Make this world like heaven, Father. Bring an end to murder, Lord, and rage and anger and revenge. Give us a love for the people we lead. Help us decide for them as we would decide for ourselves. Things that are right from the teaching of Jesus. Make us the sons and daughters of our God. Make us a light, a city on the hill. That all the world would know who you are because America exists. That would be a prayer meeting. That would be a prayer meeting. And uh, the, the, the thing that Jesus is giving us here is such a simple alternative to prayer as show, prayer as reputation uh, building, right? Then he goes on to talk about fasting. I mean, this is where I skip over the Lord's Prayer. We'll talk about that more in coming weeks. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Three times, hypocrites. They disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting, right? Which is weird if you're fasting. You do feel sort of weird, but it's kind of nice for somebody to know, like, why are you, why are you looking so serious? Can't say. <laughs> I cannot tell you, but boy, am I hungry. <laughs> somebody was telling me of her friend who would carry around a gallon jug of water because they were fasting. And it's just like, well, you know, Jim's fasting today because there's his fasting water, you know. It wasn't like his regular thing where he, keep, he just had like a, oh, I'm going to need a lot of water today. No reason, right? <laughs> and Jesus is just saying, no, well, there's your reward. Oh, my gosh, Jim fasts, right? Right? That's the reward. Instead, he says, you know, take a shower. Uh, put, put, put some conditioner on, whatever. Like, wash your face. Right? Do you ever... Do you ever know Jesus teaches us to wash our face, right? Like, so it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father. See, again, the reality of God. The reality of God who knows you're fasting and appreciates it and calls you into fasting, into seeking him, who is unseen. Your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Now, there's the teaching. That's a, such a simple little pattern of teaching. Let me just show you this pattern again. Doing righteousness to be seen? Nah. Your father is in heaven, okay? Giving to be honored now. Your father who sees what's done in secret, right? Okay, so it's to be this? No. Unseen father who is real. At the essence of what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is, there is a real God and a real kingdom, and we can cooperate with that. We can count on that in a way that we would say, he'll reward us. Whatever reward there is in this, he'll be the one that rewarded us. Just Go into your you know, closet, go to close the door and pray to your father who's unseen and sees what's done in secret. That's the other promise there. 
the unseen God pays attention to people who are humbly seeking him. Don't look sober while fasting. Wash your face. Don't be obvious. You're seen by your father who's unseen and sees what's done in secret. This is, this is real spirituality. Do you guys believe in things you, you don't see all the time? This is Jesus telling you who God is, what's the nature of God, that he's unseen, that he pays attention, that he has the ability to remember and reward. This is the promise of the Bible. All around us, we are in the presence of God, our Father, who is all around us, who knows us, not just in our actions, not just in our jug of water, not just because the trumpet said, now Blue Root Vineyard is having church. Our Father who knows us as we actually are. Our Father. James Bryan Smith tells a story about his son, who's a little, little kid at the time, writing him a note and, and say, the note just said, Daddy, are you happy about me? Our Father can be happy about can draw us into a conversation. Let's, let's come in and, and sit down and talk here. You didn't shut the door, God. That, that, that was just an example. Like the, the door doesn't have to be shut. It's just don't draw attention to yourself. I'll now go pray, right? Your father, your actual father who's happy about you, who loves you, would draw you into his presence so that you could talk to God. So how does God reward? What are the actual rewards? Is this like some kind of point system that you'll find out about someday, you die? Guy will say, like, I'd like to just review your fasting over the years. You've accumulated 25,000 points, Mark. That's fantastic. N not like most people who accumulated much more, but still, no, it's, what are the rewards of this stuff? What are the rewards? Here's just a list I came up with. It's not an uh, exclusive list for sure. The basic reward is just a, a partnership with God, that God chooses prayer to matter to him. Right? I mean, even in this passage, it says, your father knows what you need. Right? Your father knows what you need. I would assume your father knows what to do next. He's not looking for advice from us. Dear Lord, I'm praying for my daughter. She's having a stroke. Like, I know. But somehow God has chosen prayer as the way that real people, humble people, all the people of the Beatitudes could be, participate in the kingdom of God. We are welcomed by a gracious and loving God who wants to work with us and wants to teach us how to align ourselves with his purposes in this world. So, what are the rewards? Well, the rewards are first just that he sent Jesus who knows what he's talking about, which is super interesting, right? Like, you are getting insight from Jesus about what matters to God. And you think, oh my gosh, it's all a mystery. Well, not if you read the Bible, it's not all a mystery. Like, this is actually what Jesus is saying matters to God, time with him, a time where you're praying. And God rewards us. Uh-oh, uh I have died. I'm going to need your help, Nikisa. Just go forward, please. Thanks. Maybe you have died, too. Let's pray. Oh, Father, make this clicker work. 
<laughs> How does God reward us? The clicker works, okay? Did I do that or did you? You did it? We don't know. We'll find out in a minute. Right? Okay. Um, but God rewards us by seeing you, and nobody else does. You will never be any place physically, no location, no situation that God is not paying attention to you. Right? Here's the instructions, how to get noticed by God. Go someplace really quiet and alone. Right? You, you are known by God. This is a deep reward. And he validates the actual you, not the pretend you. Not the you dress up, not the you with the mask, not the you looking your very, very best, not you on date night, right? The actual you can pray. The actual you can have a relationship with God. Now we find out. Oh, baby, right? By not requiring you to have any kind of hype team. Now, you know, you remember how like, the football teams run out onto, you know, remember Dawkins, the way he would like set you up for a whole game like Brian Dawkins did? This whole hype, like, we are going to play like this. They didn't always play like that, but the hype before was fantastic, right? No trumpets are needed. You don't need, like, assistance around you to get God's attention. You're, that, that's not needed. The actual you is important to God. Super important for your heart. Super important if you're trying to figure out, like, well, what is prayer? How do I enter into prayer? The actual you can pray in your actual words and thoughts, Right? By seeing right through the superficial trumpeting of this world. He's, nobody's getting ahead of you because they're better at trumpeting than you. Nobody's getting better at you because they look more seriously ascetic when they fast. Right? You don't have to go like, oh my gosh, that guy's got a gallon of water when he fasts. I don't even get that thirsty when I fast. Like, what am I supposed to Should I carry a gallon of water? Should I carry more water than that guy? No, that's not needed. Right? Um, by not requiring any heroic, poetic, deep, um, expansive, or precise prayers. Your actual words matter to God. Your actual thoughts matter to God. Dallas uh, Willard has a thought about heroic prayers and how heroic prayers are really needed in this world, but that's just one of the, the calls in the body of Christ. He says this, there are, of course, people who pray heroically, they are to be respected for what God has called them to. One would think of people like Reese Howes or John praying Hyde. But that's a special calling, and it's for very few of us. To look to this calling as the ideal for our prayer life is only to assume a burden of uncalled-for guilt. And quite surely, it is to choose an approach which will lead to abandoning prayer altogether as a realistic and a pervasive aspect of life in the kingdom. In other words, you keep these heroic kind of like people, they write books about the way they pray as your model, and you get discouraged and miss out on the real life prayer life that God has for you. There, are, there will be heroic prayers or periods that they may be called, that may be called for, but not the intention to be heroic, not the intention to be the best prayer of all time or the best prayer in the church, right? Always we are simply children walking and talking with our Father at hand. Our Father who's all around us. Daddy, are you happy about me? Do you want to talk to me right now? Can I talk to you about my kids? Can I talk to you about my job? Can I talk to you about this situation? I don't see how this is going to get fixed, God. I want to talk to you. 
and he welcomes that. By making you a part of his provision for others, right? How does God reward you? He makes you the answer to his prayers. One of the most fun things in the world is the secret gifts. I've gotten some in my life, uh, you know, they were fun for me, right? But also, um, I now trumpet, I have given them, right? But, you know, it's good to give to people who have need. All around here, people are struggling. And some of us have more than we need. You've been given that to be a provision in this world. You've been uh, given much to be generous. And Jesus doesn't say, don't give to the needy. He says, just don't like draw attention to yourself in that. Be secret. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? Just, just secretly give yourself over to being uh, generous in this world. And he invites us into conversation. I, I'd like to think out of this sermon that a lot of people would try having a conversation with God a couple times this week. And maybe you would like it. And maybe you would sort of push into it and learn how to pray a little bit more and push into this conversational God. I really think you respect me. My actual life, my actual words are important to you. So I want to pray. He, he rewards us by knowing us so well that he knows us before. He knows before we say a thing. How good is that? How many times have you ever had to walk into a room and explain yourself to people? You know, and then you're wondering, do they really understand what, what, what I'm trying to say here? God's like, Mark, I totally know about it. Let's talk. It's a beautiful, beautiful understanding of the spiritual realities of our world as mediated to us, as taught to us by Jesus, the expert on how God is. And he answers our prayers as they align with his kingdom best. We're going to talk about how does God answer prayers as we go through this. Part of, part of the the big lesson of the Sermon on the Mount is, in what way do we do love in this world? Well, we do love by praying for others. And we pray with power. We ask, we seek, we knock. We talk about it in chapter 7, right? And he rewards us by making our prayers matter. It's a beautiful, beautiful kind of picture. Isn't this more desirable? then somewhere in heaven, God is racking up points because you are a better prayer than somebody else. And in your score, you know, like, wow, what are you going to get? You know, a better cloud in heaven, right? Like, wow, how'd you get the cloud with the view? Well, a lot of fasting, I got to tell you. And it was secret fasting too, right? I would always wash my face. And I think that's why I've got this mountain range outside my cloud. You know, it's not like that. Here's it's this relationship with God is the reward of prayer, okay? Here's something uh, Dallas said about prayer. I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we're doing together. What a beautiful, simple uh, uh, definition of prayer. And then <clears throat> there is one more uh, uh, thing besides the four that follow the same pattern was this, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, which again, is kind of like a joke. It's like Jesus is saying, you know those people don't really know God? When they talk to me, it's hilarious. I mean, it's just all kinds of words all over the place. And you guys know me. You don't have to be like that, right? Don't keep babbling like pagans. Actually, the Greeks were known for like putting lots of titles to God in their prayer. You know, you know how people do that? Like, oh, most magnificent, omnipotent, omnipresent, ever-loving Father God, we come to you. Like, 
smell just simple, right? They are not heard because of their many words. And then the promise is slightly different than God rewarding the promises. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And that sends us right into a prayer life. Dallas will say, even the atheist can pray. He says, this is the atheist prayer. And if it's offered sincerely, it will um, produce fruit. The atheist prayer is this. God, if there is a God, save my soul if I have a soul. And he said, the honest atheist who just really doesn't know if there's a God can pray that prayer and meet God in that prayer. We've got a prayer that's given to us, and it's, it's for us to pray. It's not for us to be heard in the exact right way. It's not for us to impress the people around us with our ability to read from the screen. But I want to give you an opportunity to join us at church and pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, out loud, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. That's Jesus. What a simple little prayer covering the, the scope of our life, really. I want to give you a couple things to try as we walk away from this. One, I would just say this. Stop virtue signaling, especially on social media, where you are making known to other people how right you are, how good you are, how generous you are, how correct your side is, how wrong the other side is. It's really trumpeting something that has nothing to do with uh, how to love uh, people, how to love even people you disagree with in major ways, you know, just, you know, honor God, push into God, uh, and stop signaling to each other uh, about w whether uh, J-Lo should have danced like that or whatever, right? You probably have an opinion, but <laughs> Facebook doesn't need to know it. Talk to God about it, right? All right? When praying publicly, focus less on how you sound, okay? This is just, I would love to free you up to pray freely in public settings and small groups, whatever. Don't worry about how you say it. This, this is an audience of one. This, God, audience of one is an interesting little phrase. It's Carson Wentz has picked that up. That's his ministry, right? He's, his, the idea is there's one person who's paying attention to me that I really care about. My simple prayer, I don't really care how these people hear it. I'd love to free some people up to pray publicly. I know, I know people are thinking all the time, oh my gosh, everybody's more spiritual than I am, right? Which is not true. And by the way, you are taken seriously by God to pray something. If it's two words, if it's three words, if you get it in the wrong order, pray out loud. You know, just pay attention to, to God. And what a great promise. Look, just think of this as a description of prayer, okay? Just the actual words of Jesus. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Father, are you happy about me? Father, can I talk to you about my life? Father, our whole world seems messed up. I just want you to get your way. Father, I feel like I, I drift away from you. Can I connect with you? Can I, can I know your presence around me? Father, I'm wondering how we're going to pay for college. Father, I feel so tempted in this area. Father, there's somebody who, who's angry with me or somebody I'm angry with. Help me forgive them. Father, I'm part of the problem. Forgive me. These are... How do you talk to God? 
Just simple prayers. Just go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father. You're welcomed, you're known, and you're with the person who loves you most in the whole universe, right? And ask your Father for the things that matter to you, like I was just praying there. And then also give secretly to somebody this week. I think this would be a great week to just loosen up the old check, checking account. Somebody you know in your life just straining right now. Just flip them a little something there. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Why don't you stand up? We'll pray together.